is mine. Joy is mine. Happiness is mine. Now let me tell you all the things that aren't mine. Depression and, and sadness and weariness. Those things are not mine. My body, my soul has been redeemed. Those are part of it. This flesh gets weary. This flesh gets tired. But all these other things are real and true. Isn't it good to sing the songs? Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Be together with the saints wherever you are this morning. God bless you. Amen. Wonderful to be together. Wonderful on a Sunday morning that there's something in your heart that says, I want to be where God is. I want to be what God is doing. And that's where we are this morning. Well, that's all the singing we'll do. We'll go directly to the Word this morning. As you're turning in your Bible to Matthew chapter 4, I just want to make a couple of announcements here. Number one, just regarding our bookings, uh, we try to work it in that you book in one in four services. So if you can do that, leave room for somebody else. And then the night before the service, that's nine o'clock, if, if it hasn't been filled, then you can book in. Now I'm going to ask you to do something on Sunday, that's nine o'clock before there's two services. Don't book in for both. Book in for one, please. Allow somebody else. Is that all right? Let's, let's make room for somebody to come in. Sometimes people want to come in and they don't have room to get in and they would like to. So let's, let's just be brothers and sisters. Amen. Also want to say I appreciate the liberty that God has given us in our services. And we're, we're having on occasion people are coming for prayer. And I believe God is in those things. And I believe God is answering prayers. Nice to see you here this morning, Brother Glenn, Sister Rhea. Glad that God is working on your behalf. And uh, so we, we, we want to make room for that. And what we've been doing in our dismissals is the deacons are at the back and they'll hold the people and we'll dismiss regularly. And God bless you all for working with that. We recognize that at times somebody has to leave. So if you've got to leave early and, and, and you need to go... We're going to ask that we're going to give you a little bit more liberty. Don't have to wait for the deacon. If you want to be respectful while prayer is being made, you feel free to do that and wait. If you need to go, we understand. And likewise, sometimes if, if there's just a little bit of time of prayer or a little time of worship, if you need to go, you don't need to wait for the deacons. The deacons will still be there. If you feel you need to sit in your seat and you need to do that, we've talked with both the deacons and the trustees, those that clean and we want to give a little more liberty for the Holy Ghost. Is that all right? We want to enter in and make much of the presence of God. So if you can work with that, you've got a little more liberty, keep your distance, keep your space as you're going out. Be, be honorable to that. I believe that we've, 
We've done well, and God bless you all for your compliance. Sure is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, isn't it? I'm, I'm looking forward to what the Lord is. I has to say. I hope you didn't come to hear what Brother Ed has to say. I didn't come to hear what I have to say. I want to hear what God has to say. And He moves on our heart. He quickens things to us. Matthew 4, let's start reading in verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a-hungered. There's a, there's a true fast, that when God puts a fast on you, you know, you, 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 you've placed God before you in such a way, the hungered leaves. You're just desiring something of God. And when the tempter came to him, he came to him in three different places. So the first was in the flesh where he was weak at that time. And he said, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So when the devil taketh him into the holy city, he setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So this second temptation moved from the flesh realm to the spirit realm, and he appealed to his pride. He appealed. He was trying to get him to move from his place. But in every case, Jesus used the word. Finally, in verse 8, And again the devil taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou fall down and worship me. So he was trying to give him the, the kingdom, the world, the inheritance thereof, all the kingdoms of it, without Calvary. It's, Jesus is going to fall heir to all of these things. But it's not, it's, it had to have a Calvary first. And then Jesus said to him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I am going to invite you to also read in John chapter 18, John chapter 18. We're going to speak this morning again on the secret of the tabernacle. This is really part three. And as a subtitle, I'm going to say choosing where to submit, choosing where to submit. We're free moral agents. Now, in, in, in John chapter 18, now... We've read this portion that was Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. Now he's over in the end and coming up to Gethsemane. 
in verse chapter 18, John 18, verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Sidron, and there where there was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. So in verse 2 it says, And Judas also which betrayed him, he knew the place. For Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. So it was a secret place. It was a place that was necessary for Jesus to go to to garner strength, to garner all that he needed. Now, I won't go into the account. You can read it in, in Luke chapter 22. But the battle that occurred at Gethsemane, before Jesus ever came to the cross, the greatest battle happened in that garden. And it was a battle of the mind. It was a battle of the will because we're free moral agents. And, and it was governed by something greater. Now, I, I want to take a little bit of time with that. I'm going to ask you also just to go back to Psalms 27 one more time. We'll just read in, I was going to say verse 3, but let's just read verse 4 rather. Verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. So I'm going to come back to these scriptures, but there's two great forces at work in the world today. They are moving upon the people. Uh, they move against us. We find ourselves in a conundrum between these forces at times. And even over this last week, they've been engaged. They've been in a battle. They've been working. No doubt we've been affected. And the world has been moving, and I will say not for the better, but to a, a greater place of darkness, a greater place uh, where, where it's going to come to a great climax. Now, now, Brother Branham would actually speak of it, and he would actually speak of it in, in, in the message. And uh, this is in 1947. He would say, there's a great confederation of churches. They're confederating. There's two great powers moving in the world. You know what they are without telling. There's one combination of power, the one the other one is Catholicism and communism coming together, one against Christ, the other, the Catholic Church. These two powers are coming together. Every person in the world is going to be under obligation to take sides with one or the other. Now, I, I, I took this last week, and I took the quotation from Recognizing Your Day and its message, where Israel was put back into her place by national force. And he said, as Israel was put by national force into her place, so will national force put the church into the world council of churches. 
And he says, but however, the power of God will put the people in the bride. So he'd say there's these two forces at play, and they're, they're in the world today. And, 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 and there's a great challenge that's before us every day. What do we give ourselves to? Because we're free moral agents, we, we, we have a choice that we can make. And, and whichever way a tree leans, that's the way the tree falls. And, and you can say, well, no, I'm not, I'm not going to one of these. I'm doing my own thing. No, you're not doing your own thing. You're, you're, you're either born again and you're leaning to the things of God, or you're not and you're, you're being drawn into something that you may think is of your own choosing, but really it's not of your own choosing. And we are really only vessels whereby there is something greater governing us. It is something within. It is beyond human constraints. And I'm going to come to it a little bit on the level of hunger and thirst. Now, Brother Bannon would speak in the message, How Can I Overcome? And he'd say, The age we're living in is the grandest of all the church ages. It's the ending of time, the blending of eternity. It's the greatest sinful age. And he said, it's the powers of Satan is many times harder to fight against than in any age. Now, we don't see that in our natural man because there's a dullness of senses that occurs and it's happening daily. That's why the governments of the world are bringing in same-sex marriages. That's why they're bringing in rights for homosexuals and transgenders. That's why the governments of the world are leaving their common sense. That's why even churches are moving into this thinking they're doing the right thing. It's a dullness of senses. Unless you have the Holy Ghost, which is a life living in you, we will be deceived. We need the person of Christ. The same one that fought against the devil in the temptations has to be here fighting on our behalf. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own intellect. Don't lean on what you've learned of the message. Lean on the person that's living in you. That's the way you'll overcome. Now it's such a deception, Brother Branham would say. The enemy has come in the name of the church. The two spirits would be so close till it would deceive the elected if it was possible. And in fact, the time would have to be cut short so that flesh could still be saved. Now, you might think I'm strong, but I'll tell you what. The battle is coming to our threshold, to the threshold of what we believe. The, re- the restrictions and the enforcements and the conditioning, it's all moving to bring the world to one place. And it's the only place that the Spirit of God will dwell in. Brother Bannon would say the only place where the love of God will be found in the end time will be in the bride of Jesus Christ. And so it's important to stay in that channel and to stay in that place and to be continually in that that secret place with Him. 
it, it, it's beyond just coming to church and showing up. The church is the tabernacle. The church is, is the building. And as, as we've, we've been declaring, but in the church there's a little room, there's a little space where Christ wants to meet with you. Where it's not just I'm associating with this minister or I'm associating with the people that come here, but I'm going beyond that. I'm meeting with Jesus Christ. He's speaking to my soul. So he says, now, Brother Bannon would make this statement. It would deceive the elected if it were possible. So close, people can live a clean, holy life. Not be sinful. Not be adulterers, drinkers, liars, gamblers. They can live above that and still not with it. This is the age of the personal life of Christ, the chemical of his body which was in him. Now that's a hard thing to say. Now it is a, it's a really hard thing. Now Brother Branham will, will go on and to bring this now down to the scripture that we read in Matthew chapter 4. Now he's talking about this showdown coming, these two forces. Now, these two great sources or powers met for a showdown on the Word of God. And he said, we're coming to a climax. And he says, oh, if I could touch on that, I could speak a week and never touch the surface of it. But let's look back. He says, one day it came to a showdown. Wisdom and faith came to a showdown. Jesus and Satan met. That's right. These two great forces, wisdom and knowledge, came to a showdown. Both of them used the word. Is that right? Oh, brother, this gets good. You say, open my heart. Both of them used the word of God, the same Bible. But the Bible will not work in an unconverted channel. It sure won't. Both of them used the word of God. Satan used it from a head knowledge, but a head knowledge will not work. Now, I, I, I need to say that because we, we sometimes rely on what we know about the message and the, how, how long I've been. We need to depend on Christ, the person, the Holy Ghost that lives in you. Brother Bannon would say, to overcome is to keep life in you. In the message to overcome, he would say, overcoming, he says, is to keep life. He talks about this log that he crossed, and it was a log. Outwardly, it looked fine, but inwardly, it had been sitting in the water. It got rotten and called doty, as he would call it, and he stepped on the log, and it collapsed. Now, the form looked okay, but the life had gone out of it. And he says, now you take a Christian that's supposed to be a Christian. Let the life of God go from him. The experience, the joy of serving Christ. You know, my prayer is this morning, Lord, let your spirit have liberty in us. Let it move on our hearts. Let us not just listen to the words and the preacher and the time, but let the Holy Ghost have liberty this morning. And I said, let the experience, the joy of serving Christ, living in a church, you can be right there, he says. And he says, and you take that away from you, and you rot twice as fast. Now, isn't that a scary thought? We should constantly live in the life of Christ. He says, if you don't do it, 
If you, if you know to do good and don't do it, you become doughty and rotten. You're separated from the life of God. So strive within you to stay in the life of Christ. Let's go to Romans chapter 13. Now these two forces that met, I want to just go back for a moment because uh, the enemy, you know, and, and I, I will say God has allowed us to see Satan in the beginning, Satan in the end, his characteristics from the Garden of Eden, his characteristics through the Bible. And Brother Adam would say the three temptations that were in the Garden of Eden were the same three temptations Jesus met, which are the same three temptations we're faced with. Now if God, if, if Satan took it over on man and we can see at the end time what it was in Genesis, if we can see how Jesus overcame, it ought to empower us to see how we can overcome in this last day. To recognize the devil at all his tactics. So Romans chapter 13 says this, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. Now this word to be subject, I'm going to go into it a little bit today, it's not a word that we like to use anymore. It's not a word that we say, well, I'm not subjecting myself to that. It doesn't, it's a word that's harder in a marriage. It's a word that's harder when it comes to authority. It's a word that's harder even for us as human beings because we all, we live in an age of iPhones and iPads and I this and me this and the Me Too movement and, and it's all about us. And psychology teaches you that you don't have any problems. It's blamed on somebody else. It's blamed on your parents and their genetics or it's blamed on, on the history and, 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 and it's blamed on George Washington because he was a racist. It's blamed on, Sir, uh, on McDonald because he had this, and they're blaming it all on somebody, but never taking it upon themselves. We need to subject ourselves to the Word of God. The way we overcome in the end time is to say, I am wrong. Repent. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I've made mistakes this week, Lord. Repent. Be honest with God. Don't try and justify yourself. He that covers his sins will Will not prosper. Minister, whoever it is. So it says, let every soul be subject to higher powers. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Now, the only time we don't like to, you know, we, we want the country, naturally speaking, we want Canada to help us. Hey, I'm being locked away because of this thing. I want some money. Okay, here, have some money. And, and we're all happy when the country does something for us. But yesterday, or the day, yeah, yesterday or the day before, it was tax deadline. We were happy to give our tax returns. We weren't. No, we weren't. But you know what? You've got to submit if you want to receive the benefit. 
Now, it's easy just to say, well, no, I, I just want the benefits. That's the world that we're living in. No accountability, no nothing. We can't let those spirits come in here. So it says rulers are a terror, not to good works. You know, you come in here, you've got to subject yourself to church order, to, to tithe paying, to doing things, to, to God's order. And I, I have to submit. You say, Brother Ed, you're a minister. It must, must be nice to say that. No, I've got to submit myself to the Word of God. I've got to submit myself to the ministers that God has behind the pulpit when I'm listening. I've, got to, I, I've learned to submit. And everybody wants to be a, a leader. But who wants to be a follower? Everybody says, well, no, it's what I want. It's what I think. That's the spirit of the age. We have to learn to cast that down. We have to learn to submit to God and God's order. And, uh, and it's not an easy thing to do sometimes because humanity rises up. Whoa. You know, who am I to, to you know, I, I've been here for 30 years and I'm going to listen to a minister that just started preaching? Forget it. Oh, Yeah. You, you struggle with that? You got a struggle, you got a problem with God. Because if God called that person, we need to respect the callings and the choice of God. We can't just say, well, I don't I like, I want to pick who I listen to. I'll tell you, I want to pick the tape I listen to. I don't like that tape because it gets at things in my life that aren't there. Listen, if you got evil works, yeah, it's a terror to you. If you got good works and you're willing to submit, Lord, whatever I need to do to be there that day, deal with my heart today, deal with the minister today, put it on me, I'll submit to that, Lord, because that's the order of a sheep. Now, thank you, Brother Glenn. Now, let, let's just go on. The enemy had a place. L Lucifer, as he was known. The morning star. And as long as he stayed in that place, he was blessed. But when iniquity rose up in him, and when he desired a place that was not his, when he desired that place, when he, in other words, when he could no longer submit to his God-given place, and when he had to take his own, because he could not humble himself, then he fell. Then he was cast down. And since then, because he couldn't submit to that, his desire has been to draw all of God's creation out of the order that God has designed for it. He's designed to take men and women out of their place. That's predominant in this last age. He is designed to take the place of the word and misrepresent it. He is designed to even take nature and the natural use of nature and to pervert it. He's a deformer. He's a perverter. Brother Branham would say in Satan's Eden, the God of this world, he says, is, is here. He is in deceit. It's a treacherous hour. It's a tremendous time we're living in. But then again, it's the most glorious time. But right at this age, all the deceit and every tactic that he's ever used. Now I'm going gonna, 
I, I'm going to play something for you today. And, and we, we don't recognize how much deceit and his tactics that he's using. Just give me a little bit to come to it. He has gathered it all himself and reinforced itself, come down like God, put himself in a place of God. Religious can quote the scripture just as Satan did to Eve, but he'll leave out one spot. That's all he has to do. Make that gap where the poison doctrine can come through. And he says, and Brother Bam would say, where he can pour through like the thinking man's filter we were talking about the other day. Now listen to these, just these few more words. I know I'm reading a few quotes, but just to stay with me. He would want to ascend above the clouds and stars and sit there like God and be like the Most High. That's his desire. Nobody's forcing him to do it. That's his desire. And so I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, how do I know who I'm serving? Check your desires. And let me say this. Brother Bannon would say, what were your desires before the token was applied? And what were your desires after? Now, I'm not talking about your failures. Because we can desire the right thing and we, we can miss the mark. We can fail. We can stumble. Because we got an enemy against us who hits us at our weakest spots. But what's your desires is your desire to be in the house of the Lord? Is your desire to, to be a benefit to the kingdom of God? Is your desire to serve God with all your heart? Or is your desire whatever it takes to get by? We're in a dangerous place today. And I, I'm, 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 I need to be blunt on some of this, both for myself, for my family, for us as a church. So this is for all of us. I'm including myself. Now this is Satan's desire. And Brother Branham says this. He has certainly had marvelous success in carrying out his threats. My, by letting, by the people that let him explain it away, the value of God's promised word to that age. Now, if, if Brother Branham would take that and say, my, so, the devil, now, let, let me come to something in a moment here. So this was, this gives us a bigger picture. But now, he's on earth. Here's the one that deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. This is the one that saw the flaws in Abraham, how he lied, how, how he did things, and it followed through naturally in Isaac. This is the one that saw the temper in Moses. This is the one that saw the adultery in David. This is the one who, who would take fallen man and the desires of fallen man and work on that. Now, the saying is, the devil made me do it. No. Brother Ben says, the devil never made you do it. You were drawn out to do it. So the devil works on the fallen nature and he will work on that. Now, let, let, me, let me take it this way. We, we, we often, we've been around long enough that we weren't born yesterday, but you know enough that when you get a free offer in the mail, there's nothing free. There's always an attachment to the free offer. 
So when you get that and before you respond and before you, you do it, in, and I, I say literally in the mail, but the same thing happens on your computer. You get an email and, and they will now work. They become very cunning. They become very good. Our, our, the phone provider that I was on the other day, um, the, the, the phone went down for a day. We couldn't have phone service. We found out how much we need to be connected. And, and so they said they're going to give you a reimbursement for that time. So immediately a whole bunch of hackers jumped on and they said they would send text messages, click here to redeem your free uh, payment from, from this provider. And so people, because, hey, who doesn't want something free? Just give us your account number, and, and, and people start doing it. And they wonder, why is all this money gone from my bank account? So, so now who's at fault here? The person that was desiring the free offer. That's the person at fault. So the devil works to entice you, to allure you. Sin is attractive. Sin, it looks beautiful. Sin feels good. If you're in the flesh only. It's easier to do that sometimes than it is to do the will of God. So I'm just saying, so be careful of the free offer. Be careful when it looks like just run to it. Okay, now I'm, I'm using all of that. So the devil had now enticed all these prophets, all these men of God. All of them had a flaw. But now he meets this one. And he meets him and he had fasted for 40 days and he approaches him on the level of hunger. And Jesus doesn't answer him according to the natural body. He answers him according to the word of God. And he goes, boom. I, oh, okay, I, I'll, I'll hit him in the mind realm because that's where I get everybody. And he appeals to his pride. He appeals to, I'll build you a bigger church. You can have the temple. Everybody can worship you. And he says, get thee hence, Satan. Now, now look at the tabernacle that God was dwelling in. It wasn't Jesus himself exalting himself, but he would say, I can do nothing except the Father show me. He says, it's not I that does the works, it's my Father that dwells in me. So it was never Jesus taking honor to himself. It was Jesus always acknowledging that there's a life inside of me. That life comes from my heavenly Father, and that's the life that I am duty-bound to. And it's the same for a people of God in this last day. It's not that we're a special people, that we're a better people, but by God's divine grace, his mercy that reached to us, by him that drew us, and he sanctified us, and he poured his life into us. It's not us, but it's the Father that dwells in me. So we don't answer the devil by ourselves. We don't justify our position in it, but we say, no, I've got a responsibility to number one. And number one is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I must respect him and my marriage vows to him. This is how we overcome. So Jesus meets this one. And in every case, and I'm not going to take time to go through that this morning, 
Here he took the word, he misrepresented it to Jesus, but he corrected the error that the devil was doing. So, you know, and, and, and the scriptures, you know, Jesus would pick up the words of Moses and use them against the devil. How do we overcome? We take the word and we bring it before him. Now, not because we're smart, but I'll just say this, because we're in fellowship with a life. The same life that was in God dwells in us. The same life that was in God that dwelt in Jesus dwells in us. Now, so it's not by knowledge, it's not by learning, but it's by submitting ourselves. The secret of this tabernacle is, is, is not the outside. For Jesus, it was not the lineage he was born into. It was not the power to do miracles or a gift, but it was on the inside. And you will find no greater example in the Bible of a man submitted to a purpose and submitted to God, which was Jesus Christ. And if you ever want to take an example in this last day, and I, I'm not lifting Brother Branham up, but I'm just saying, this is a man that the closer he got with God, the less we saw of William Branham, the man, and the more we saw of God. Strive for that as a goal. I need to strive for that as a goal. Now, Jesus, he relied on knowing who he was. He knew his place in the word. So therefore, he would walk that way. Now, I, I, I'm going to just take a couple of statements here, and I had printed out a few quotes, and I just want to do this. Let's just turn to James chapter 4, verse 7 for a moment. James chapter 4, verse 7. Now, here's this word again that we all love so much. Submit yourselves. My, there's just a resounding roar among the congregation when we use that word. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee to you. Now, you will never bypass part one of that scripture and go to part two. You need to first submit yourself to God before you can resist the devil. Where does your strength to resist the devil come from? Feeding on the Word of God, a prayer life, a daily consecration, a disciplined life before God. So how did Jesus defeat the enemy? Let me read something to you from, from, from the message. When he met Satan, watch where he brought it to, for the weakest Christian here tonight, Jesus never used any of his divine gifts. He said he went right to the word, showing that the weakest Christian can defeat Satan by it, it is written. If you'll believe the word of God that teaches it, believe it, accept it, hang on to it, God will bring it to pass. Remember, gifts and callings are wonderful, but the greatest thing that, gave, that God gave the world outside of Jesus Christ is the Bible. And the Word of God will defeat the devil any place, anywhere, anytime, on his own ground. He says, Jesus made it so simple that the weakest Christian can do it. I love that. 
That puts us in the winner's circle. I love that. I believe God is making it that way for us. Now, let's take this for a moment. Submit yourself. That word to submit, it, it means, it's a, it's a military term. And it says, get in your proper rank. Now, that's a good one. Stay in your place. When the bride knows her place, then the rapture will go. And pick up your pen and write. The bride has thus saith the Lord, or she is stand still. She doesn't speak of herself. She speaks as God would have her speak. So he would say, the, the definition is, get in your proper rank. And he says, unconditional surrender is the only way to complete victory. Now let's just use a couple of scriptures here. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, verse 21, if you'll turn to that, Brother Mark. And here is that word again. Ephesians 5, verse 21, 22. And, and it would say this here. So Jesus would, will say, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So in other words... You mean I can't just do my own thing and, you know, it doesn't matter if it affects anybody? No. Submitting yourselves one to another. Brother Bannon would say, pastors, submit yourself to your congregation. Congregation, submit yourself to your pastors. And, and, and now he says, submit yourself one to another. Now, the next verse goes a step further. Wives, submit yourselves Unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, I'll tell you what. I could go into a lot of churches and preach this, and I would be labeled as unconventional, out of order with the common thought of the day, because submit? Who are you kidding me? Listen. Go in the world a little bit and look at what's out there. Look at what psychologists are telling you. Look at what school teachers are teaching children. Look at everything that government is saying. Look at what's happened since our leader has come and said, from now on it'll be 50-50 men and women in my cabinet. Where's all this coming from? Okay, listen, I, I just just... Brother Mark, I didn't give you this, but let's go back to Genesis 3. There was an original covenant where man and woman were co-equal. Marriage and divorce goes into it in a lot, of, a lot of times. But after the fall, it was no longer the same. So let's just read. You can read verse 14. It addresses the serpent. Verse 15, enmity between him. Now unto the woman, verse 16, Genesis 3, verse 16, it says, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Now look at this next word. And thy desire, your desire shall be to your husband. In other words, it's not as long as my husband runs it past me and we agree on it, it's going to be okay. And, and no, there's no exclusions given here. There's no exemptions. 
When a wife gets married, she submits herself unconditionally to that man. She submits herself to what? Not just the man who makes mistakes, but she submits herself to God's order. And under God's order, even if the man makes mistakes, God will take care of the man and how he deals with him, but he will take care of the woman. And, and, and so when you submit yourself and you give yourself a vow until death do us part, you take that vow before God, you're submitting yourself to that for life. Now, a lot of times in today, it's, I'll submit myself as long as he does this. If that's in your thinking, you have not fully submitted. And your desire will still be your own desire. You will not fulfill Genesis 3 verse 16. Your desire will not be to your husband. Your desire will not be to take God's way. It will not be, Lord, pray for, I pray for him that you will lead him and guide him to make the right, right choice. I pray for him that he'll do that. Now, I'm using this natural example because it's a type of the church in Christ, the bride in Christ. When we submit ourselves fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm coming to this church because that's what you require of me. You said, take your choice, fellowship there, and stay there, and be at your post of duty. Well, if you're doing it still as reservedly, well, I'll do this, but I don't like the current minister. I don't like the way they run some things. You have not fully submitted to the order that God has given. And therefore, you will never fully prosper. You will not receive the full benefit. Now, I'm sorry that I'm going on this road. Do you think, Brother Ed, you're making yourself to be something? No, I've had to submit to that. Before I ever came up here to minister, I had to learn to submit for many, many years. And I will say, it benefited me. It prospered me. I, 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 I was benefited by services. Was, was everything that, that, that came out just perfect? No. We're not getting our eyes on a man. And I, is everything I do just perfect? No. But we're submitting ourselves to God's order. Listen to the message, taking sides with Jesus. He said, if a man fires, if, if a general fires a cannon and nothing goes off, what do we do? Leave that cannon post? No, put another one in. Fire again till it goes off. Okay, well, I, I didn't expect great roars at this time. But in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Oh, okay. Naturally speaking, spiritually speaking, Lord, I submit myself to you. I submit myself to your order. I give myself to that. I'm not going to put conditions on it that meet my own desires because if I serve you, I know you'll give me the desires of my heart. Well, okay, we'll, we'll maybe, we won't take a series on that, don't worry. But I'm just giving you some examples that you can hopefully use to help yourself. Now, let me just go back to this definition again. Submit. Put under. Be subject to. To arrange under. To subordinate. To put in subjection. 
to submit to one's control, to yield to one's admonition or advice, to obey or to be subject. Okay. I know if this is going out and somebody's listening for the first time, you, you will think, this church is extremist. And you'll say, you know, we group everything by right, center, left. And so right always used to be the conservative part. So right, if it's your right, that was conservative. Center is somewhere between conservative and liberal. So it, it's what we call left is the liberal side. Well, if you look at the world, the world has moved this way. So what used to be right is right over here now. And what used to be center is way left. And what used to be way extreme left is now generally accepted by many people. Even in Alberta. Now I'm talking politics, but I'm talking in general. But God has never changed right, center, or left. God's word is still the same. What God said is good for Laodicea. It was good in the Garden of Eden. It's good now. And it'll be good forever till the end of time. And I submit myself to that above the current conditions. Therefore, I will submit myself as the bride to Christ, to what he says. When trouble goes wrong, I don't run from him. I still stay subject to him. When things aren't what I find pleasurable, I still stick with him because he'll work it out right. He's working something out all the time. And I will do what he said. Listen, a lot of people say, you need to listen to the tapes. I agree. But more than listen to the tapes, you need to obey the tape teaching. And the tape teaching doesn't mean just say, stop at the tapes. It also means find a church, find a pastor, find a place that you submit to, and give yourself to that. That's not my idea. That's God's idea. That was what the prophet advocated. That wasn't what I said. And I'm sorry if you find that offensive. It's still God's word. Now, so, thank you. So it's also... Let's just go to another scripture. Colossians 3, verse 18. Brother Mark, just put it up there. I won't turn to it myself, but just put it up there. Again, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Colossians 3. Wives, submit yourselves. So it's always us submitting. Now, it, there, there's, there's a part of this that's natural, but there's a part that's spiritual. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Let's go to that for a moment. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Now, let me just bring something here for a moment. I'm not coming here with, with my ideas. There's an order that God has established. God always sends his word to an age by the prophet. So the prophet 
was sent by God. And if you receive him whom God sent, you're receiving God. You're submitting yourself to an order. You're not guessing, oh, this was Brother Branham's idea. No, a prophet is a special built man. A prophet is somebody who doesn't speak his own words. He speaks for God, and he speaks the word of God to the age of God, and it's not to be tampered with. It's not to be spliced up. It's not to be given commentaries on. It's what we all submit to, including the ministry. The ministry does not have their own word. They submit themselves to the word of God. And we have to give account that we've preached what, we're, what the prophet brought. So the order is God, the prophet, the ministry, and, and I include myself as the laity also, listening to God's order. There's also other orders, other parts of this. There's an order to the church. There's deacons, there's trustees, there's, there's musicians. Everybody submits. Submit yourself one to another. Well, I'll tell you what. There's a reason everything we hear is contrary to what I'm saying right now. Everything in the world will tell you, do your own thing. There is no such thing as do your own thing. You want to do your own thing, you're caught into another level of which the guy who was in heaven that wanted to do his own thing. And he was cast down. And, and, and he's trying to get you to think, I'm free, I can do whatever I got. Let me just say one other thing. The people that have never given themselves over fully, that have never sold out to the Word of God, that have said that no matter what comes, what may happen, this is God's Word, it's the absolute for the hour, they're the ones that leave the message. They're the ones that have their own ideas because they've never fully submitted. I'll tell you what, if you fully submit and you give yourself to this, there are blessings, there are healings, there is protection, there is comfort, there is the peace of God. There are all these things available to you if you submit to them. I don't want to, I'll tell you what, the ones who are leaving are the biggest losers. Because they could have been here in a place of comfort and peace, but they're losing out. Now, I'm asking the question, what are we submitting ourselves to? Okay. Now, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself, for they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. As we spoke on Wednesday, go beyond the curtain of time. Brother Branham, who, you know, who are you? We, we are your converts. And he says, you were born a leader. This is beyond the curtain of time. This is one of those interviews that we'll get to one day. Is that all right? We'll conduct a series. We conducted three interviews on, on Wednesday. We'll do it again. But, you know, they're beyond the curtain of time. And they said, and he says, do I have to give an account? Yes, as, as Paul was judged. The voice said, as Paul was judged, so you'll be judged. Oh, and Brother Branham thought, he started trembling. No. He said, praise God. I preached every word Paul preached. What was his rest? It wasn't that he was doing his own thing. It was that he had submitted to something. What is our rest? We submitted to something. We've submitted not to a man, not to Brother Branham, not to a pastor, not to a husband. Or We've submitted to the order of God. 
And when we submit to it, there's a peace and a rest that goes with it. Now, submit, it also means to resist no longer. You come to church and you're checking out everything with your own idea. I'll tell you what, we need to die daily. Resist no longer, give way, yield to authority and admonition. This is not the gospel according to Ed Hammermeister. This is not the gospel according to Harold Hillebrand. This is not even the gospel according to William Branham. This is the gospel of God given to his servant, William Branham, given to an Eliezer, given to a bride. It's God's word to us if we can receive it as such. And to receive the Holy Ghost is to receive God's word, is to give yourself wholly unto him. Let me read one more one more part. First Peter 5, verse 5. Verse 5, and then also let's read from verse 6 as well. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Now, I, I won't get into the, the spirit of the age because that's so different from this. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Now, this is something the devil cannot do. And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Lord, I don't understand this. I don't know what my husband's doing. Or you could say, I don't know what the pastor's doing. I don't know what the message means here. But Lord, I give myself to you. Now, let, we, were, we were talking yesterday, and there was a brother, and we were talking how, you know, the devil comes and tempts us and causes us to, to you know, he'll just, he knows how to push the buttons. So if our weak point is, is you're high-passioned, and he'll try to push that into lust. If, if, if your weak point is, is anger, he'll, he'll try and push that button. If, you're, if your weak point is, I, I have trouble submitting, he'll, he'll try and push that button too. Now, listen, listen to this in the law having a shadow. Brother Branham, I study the Bible. I, take, I took Bible lessons, and then Brother Branham said, yes, the devil does too. He knows more about it than you'll ever know. But there's one thing he can't get. That's the Holy Ghost. So as long as he can't get to you, for you are dead, and your life is hid in God and sealed by the Holy Ghost, how could he ever get to you? You are dead. Did you ever hear a dead man tell a lie? Hmm, good question. Did you ever hear a dead man fuss back at you? Hmm. No. Stand at the casket and fuss with him all night? He'll never say a word. He's dead. Tell a dead man he's a hypocrite and see what happens. Kick him on the side and tell him, you old hypocrite, he'll just not say a word. That's right. He'll lay there. 
What did Christ do when the devil did all these things? He was dead to himself and to all of his hunger and all his pride and all these things. He was living for God. He was sold out. He was fully submitted. He says, that's them that's dead in Christ we bury in water. Sometimes we bury people that are too much alive. They've got too much malice and strife. And, and he says, there's too much of that in the church sometimes. We can't separate that, but God knows how. He knows his people. He knows his sheep. He knows his children. He knows who he can call out. He knows who's predestinated. So you, you can't kill, you can't hurt a dead man. So when the devil comes to push your button and he wants to get you enraged that, that these rules are here and they're doing this, and you say, God's in control. I've committed this to God in prayer. He knows about our services. He knows about all of these things. He knows all about it, and he's going to work it out. And I'm going to call on him that he will bless us and sustain us and take care of us. I'm not going to take a placard and go down to the legislator and stomp on the ground and tell him such and such. I've left it in God's hands. I have sold out everything to him. He will take care of me. That's where we need to be. That's where we need to find ourselves. Now, let, let's just take one more part of this. Under the Greek military meaning, it means to arrange in a military fashion under the command of a leader. In a non-military use, it means a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. So in other words, I'm not just going to pop in once in a while and just take something for myself. I'm going to contribute in my prayer life. I'm going to contribute in everything I can to the well-being of the body of Christ. Isn't that good? Wonderful. Okay, let's, let's move along. I need to go back to the book of... Well, let's just go to Romans chapter 13 again for a moment, if you will. My, how's the time slipping away on me? Okay, Romans, let's read this, and then I'll come to a couple other things, and then I want to play something for you. Romans chapter 13. This is, we read part of this before, but let's just take another part of this. Say, Brother Ed, you're picking on me. If I, I'm picking on anybody, I'm picking on myself. And, and if you're still alive... To, to things, yeah, then, well, you know, so be it. But if, if you said, no, I can say amen to that. I, I submit to that. Yeah, I'll submit to that. That's, that's a good place to be. Romans chapter 13, let's just read here from, from verse 1 again. Let's just look at this. Let every soul be subject to higher powers. There's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Therefore, whosoever resists to the power, resists to the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Will you then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and you shall have praise of the same. For he is a minister. Now, Paul just slips right into the ministry. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So sometimes you're going to come to church and hear things that are hard for the flesh, things that are going to chop us and shape, ship us and, and, and shape us and do things. 
So it's all part of the program. I haven't picked up every tape, and Brother Bannum has patted us on the back. You're going to be okay, children. You're going to make it. No, sometimes he's tore the hide off of me. Sometimes he's, I made me feel like I'm not even a Christian. But then God pours the salve in after that. I think we need to be rugged Christians. The world is making us soft sometimes, and we need to overcome these things. So he said, for this you must needs be subject. Not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this cause pay you tribute, for they are God's ministers, attending continually on this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to him honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another. You're not selling out to the man, you're selling out to God's order. You're not selling out to your husband, you're selling out to God's order. Owe no man anything but to love one another. Let's just drop down to verse 11. And now, sorry, and that knowing the time, now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we have believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now, I, I, I could read all of James chapter 4 verse, from verse 1 to 10. You can read it after. But I want to take these thoughts just briefly out of the message thirst. And I touched on this last week. Now, Brother Branham would say, Thirst is a painful desire. And he would say, it, it's something you want so bad till it becomes painful. It's not an unusual thing for you to thirst. Thirst is a natural thing. Now you can say, where did this thirst come from? Like, where did this thirst for a coffee, I better be careful what I say, uh, where did this hunger for a bagel, where did this hunger for fried chicken, now I'm going down this road, I just keep going, some of you are going to disappear on me right away, but listen, where did this hunger came from? God gave it to you. Now, the way you're going to overcome that in this service is you also have a hunger inside of you, which is a spiritual man, say, hold on a second, that fried chicken can wait, and, and, and you know, that that can wait because my soul needs something right now. So I'm going to put that off so that I can feed this other part of me that needs to be fed. So Brother Branham says, it's God that gave us this. It's a desire for something. Now God also gives you a control tower, something that sets inside of you and controls these desires. This thirst this control tower that sets in a man's heart. Now, let, now think about this for a minute. The thirst is not yours. God gave it to you. The control tower is not yours. God gave it to you. But you as a free moral agent and me as a free moral agent, what I do and what I yield to is what I play in this whole part. So you've had it sometimes. You're sitting on the computer and you're about to go on to something else and this little voice just speaks to you and say, I think that's enough. And, and sometimes we override it. And all of a sudden, another hour has passed. Or you get a little warning. Be careful here. So what is it? You're, it's not your intellect speaking to you. It's something that's come to your control tower from another place. Now, I haven't got to this. I've been 
as a service I want to get to, but it's, it's on, on listening, learning to listen to your spiritual body. And I'll come to it sometime. Now he says these control towers, he says, they are given to you by God to tell you what's needed in your body. So your body needs calcium or it needs magnesium or it needs something. All of a sudden you start thirsting for a glass of milk. Why? Because magnesiums or calcium's in there rather. And you thirst for it. So it's brought to you by thirst, not by knowledge. So it's thirst. So does the Holy Ghost in you thirst for things. You don't know why sometimes. I don't know why sometimes. But all of a sudden it comes on my mind. i got to listen to that tape. Or i got to call this brother. Or i got to do this. Sometimes it's God working in you to lead you and direct you for the thing that's necessary for you. Now we learn to lean on that. Now, he would say, you can tell what your desires are or the life that lives in you by the desires that you're expressed. There's a control tower for the soul and one for the body, and each one calls for it. And sometimes the flesh thirst to satisfy the desires in the body. And these spirits desire, and the spirit desires for things in the soul. And that's where our trouble is. Too many people try to live between these desires. So, the, the, the natural man who is a sinner does not desire spiritual things. It, he, it's just natural for him to sin. But the man that's born again who gets drawn out by desire because he's not feeding enough, in other words, hasn't submitted himself enough, therefore can't resist enough. Now, I, I'm going to, I need to kind of get to where I want to get to, but let's read this scripture in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this I know I'm, I'm moving quickly and I'm going through a lot of things. Thank you for your attention. Let, let, me, let me just really get to this now. Romans chapter 6. Let's just take it from verse 11. And, and here Paul is speaking and he's saying this uh, in, in verse 11. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. So look at this word, let. So we can open the door or we can close the door. Neither yield, so here's the word, submit, you, your members, as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourself to God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Drop down to verse 16. We're, we're living in a dangerous, dangerous hour. And, and I want to make this a little more real, and I'm going to play something for you in a minute. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. So whatever you spend your time. Now I, I took this last week about the desire of your room. The room that you go to the most. The secret place you go to. The garden that you go to. The garden that you feed in the most 
That's what you're being sold out to. Now Jesus had to spend much time going to this garden of Gethsemane. And his disciples went too. And I would say, the believers of this hour need to spend much time in the Word of God, listening to tapes, in fellowship, coming to church, doing the things they do. Why? Because it's a place where Christ comes to. Now, I'm, 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 I'm saying that secret place can be in your home, that can be in your prayer closet, that can be listening to a tape, that can be in fellowship, that can be in many different places. But you need to go there. And otherwise, you're going to get swept away. I'm going to get swept away. And the devil knows this. Now, Brother Branham would say, in the message, Thirst, it's an alarm clock. It, it's a buzzer inside of you that death is lurking. Now, he, he will go on to say, there are natural thirsts that God gave you. There's a thirst for the human being. It's natural for success. So many people go down this school, they go to university, they get a good job, and Brother Bannon would say, nothing against that, that's good, but to let that override other things is where the perversion comes in. And he says there's some people that get sold out to success. Now, a young man and a woman, it's not, okay, he actually says, we thirst for fellowship, we want fellowship, he said, that's natural. Now, a young man and a woman, it's not unnatural for them to love one another. It's, it's in them. It's the age they love one another. It's not unnatural. But he says the devil will pervert that. So sometimes we need to recognize where he's taking that in the wrong way. He, he actually goes on and says, we find many women in these days thirst for beauty. Now, now listen to what Brother Branham says about that. It's a natural thing for a woman to thirst to be pretty. So wherever you got this idea that I got to look like I, 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 you know, I, I just came out and I can't do it, that's not right. I think if you got a good husband, you want to look pretty for him. You don't want to use that and pervert it to what the devil wants, and the devil will do many things. He says, now a Christian woman will adorn herself in modest apparel, have a Christ-like spirit. That's how you're pretty. That's the way you become pretty. That's what you're adorned in. But when you see many things today, like when they have their hair cut like a man, wearing a man's clothes, that's a perversion. Now he also says about men. When you see a man that's wearing men's clothes and a haircut, in other words, when you see a man that wants to be pretty... There's something wrong there. <laughs> Brother Ben says, watch out for that cat. You know, the guy that, uh, you know, the woman that liked the guy because his feet smelled nice. He says, I don't care if his feet smell like a polecat. He says, if he's got these other characteristics, forget that. He says, then it's a perversion. The whole thing is perverted. Your food is perverted. Life is perverted. It's a day of perversion. Now, I can't read everything he says. Satan tries to pervert the satisfying of the soul. Now, one of the great things that we have to do is Satan's trying to take us off all of these things. Let me read this one, and then I want to put this in. He tries to give you everything to satisfy the thirst and the soul. It's perverted. Now, I, I got onto this channel last week, and I want to just play this, Brother Mark, if you can get ready with clip number one. 
This is, this is a documentary that was put out called The Social Dilemma. And, and it's, it's an exclusive to Netflix, and I didn't want to subscribe to Netflix, but I found this, and it was a doctor giving commentary on it. I'm going to play about four minutes of this in one clip, and then I'm going to play, well, maybe five, and then it's another few minutes. But you talk about a deceitful age that we live in. And I, I want you just to listen to this, okay? And pardon me for doing it this way, but this, was, this has not left me since I've seen this. So, Brother Mark, if you can play that first portion. Hey, guys, a whole bunch of people have asked me to watch The Social Dilemma, a new documentary about social media and its ills on Netflix. So I'm a doctor. You're an audience. Let's watch it together. When you look around you, it feels like the world is going crazy. You have to ask yourself, like, is this normal? Or have we all fallen under some kind of spell? Dramatic. So I've been an investor in technology for 35 years. The first 50 years of Silicon Valley, the industry made products, hardware, software, sold them to customers. Nice, simple business. For the last 10 years, the biggest companies in Silicon Valley have been in the business of selling their users. It's a little even trite to say now, but because we don't pay for the products that we use, advertisers pay for the products that we use. Advertisers are the customers. We're the thing being sold. The classic saying is, if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Let that sink in. If you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Think about all the things online. Think about all the things online that are like that, including this show. The difference is even for our show, there are people who pay for it. And then there are people who are generating ad revenue for us. And believe me, the people who pay for it get a very different experience than you do. A lot of people think, you know, oh, well, Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing and see their photos. But what they don't realize is they're competing for your attention. So, you know, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, companies like this, their business model is to keep people engaged on the screen. Let's figure out how to get as much of this person's attention as we possibly can. How much time can we get you to spend? How much of your life can we get you to give to us? When you think about how some of these companies work, it starts to make sense. There are all these services on the internet that we think of as free, but they're not free. They're paid for by advertisers. Why do advertisers pay those companies? They pay in exchange for showing their ads to us. We're the product. Our attention is the product being sold to advertisers. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked, is being measured. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. Exactly what image you stop and look at, for how long you look at it. Oh yeah, seriously, for how long you look at it. They know when people are lonely, they know when people are depressed, they know when people are looking at photos of your ex-romantic partners, they know what you're doing late at night, they know the entire thing. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, or what kind of neuroses you have, what your personality type is like. Yuval Hariri has described this as, there will come a time, and it may be now, when the algorithms know more about you than you do. 
because humans are the masters of denial and self-obfuscation. But these algorithms see clearly. They are tracking exactly what you're looking at. They can know whether you're gay before you know you're gay. Things like that are truly, they're amazing and terrifying at the same time. And again, these companies are dealing in attention. Attention is the currency that they deal in. And so even I, when I look at my statistics of my videos, when I look at how they're being served out, how many one minute views, how many 30 second views, how much attention are they getting, how many minutes watched, that's the currency that these companies find valuable. And as a creator, that's the pressure is to produce that currency if you're going to survive in this. It doesn't matter about the message, doesn't matter about your mission, it's about the currency of attention. A lot of people have the misconception that it's our data being sold. It's not in Facebook's business interest to give up the data. What do they do with that data? They build models that predict our actions. And whoever has the best model wins. Now understand this. This sounds terrifying, and it is, but imagine this. If you build models that predict human behavior based on their past stuff, finding patterns, and computers are really good at this, algorithms are really good at this, you could actually predict who is at high risk for suicide, who's at high risk for depression, who's at high risk for going postal on a place. And that's actually... Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. When I was at the Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab, this is what we learned. How could you use everything we know about the psychology of what persuades people and build that into technology? Now, many of you in the audience are geniuses already. I think that's true, but my goal is to turn you into a behavior change genius. There are many prominent Silicon Valley figures who went through that class, key growth figures at Facebook and Uber and, and other companies, and learned how to make technology more persuasive, Tristan being one. Persuasive technology is just sort of design intentionally applied to the extreme, where we really want to modify someone's behavior. We want them to take this action. We want them to keep doing this with their finger. You pull down and you refresh, it's going to be a new thing at the top. Pull down and refresh again, it's new. Every single time, which in psychology we call a positive intermittent reinforcement. So you don't... A slot machine. It's the same thing. You don't give a reward every time. You give it intermittently. Why do you think... Our devices require you to pull down and have there be a little delay and then you get a refresh, whether it's email or social media or likes on Instagram, whatever it is. The technology doesn't need the delay. It can be instant. They put it in because of intermittent reinforcement. They want you hooked to that process. Think about that. You don't know when you're going to get it, and you don't know if you're going to get something, which operates just like the slot machines in Vegas. Exactly. It's not enough that you use the product consciously. I want to dig down deeper into the brainstem and implant inside of you an unconscious habit so that you are being programmed at a deeper level. You don't even realize it. Listen to that carefully. Programmed at a deeper level, it is creating unconscious habit energy that is very difficult to unwind because it's patterned, it's programmed. So you have to actually use conscious energy, a lot of ATP to override it. 
but the natural default action is the behavior. These guys know exactly how to manipulate us. Every time you, you see it there on the counter and you just look at it, and you know if you reach over, it just, it just might have something for you. And so you play. The whole time I've been recording this, I've been looking at this phone going, do I need to check email? Do I need to make sure I got that text? Do I need to follow? This thing is an albatross, and it's all conditioning. It's all like Pavlovian behavioral change. If something is a tool, it genuinely is just sitting there waiting patiently. If something is not a tool, it's demanding things from you. It's seducing you. It's manipulating you. It wants things from you. And we've moved away from having a tools-based technology environment to an addiction and manipulation-based technology environment. That's what's changed. That, that's the central thesis of this. We've gone from something passive that you use as a tool to something that uses you as a tool. Let that sink in. That's the fundamental premise here. Armed with all the knowledge that I have and all of the experience, I am fighting my kids about the time that they spend on phones and on the computer. I will say to my son, how many hours do you think you're spending on your phone? He'll be like, oh, it's like half an hour. It's half an hour tops. I'd say upwards hour, hour and a half. Okay, I looked at the screen for a couple weeks ago and it was like three hours and 45 minutes. That... Instagram, six hours, 13 minutes. Okay, so my Instagram's worse. That's an expert in the field at Stanford who knows all the dangers and our kids use it that much, right? This is a profound addiction that we have and our kids are the most susceptible. Gen Z, the people born after 1997. Are it's not limited to those that are born before 1977. I used to be honest. How many of you had a conversation with somebody and then this thing rang and it took your attention away? How many times have you gone to make a phone call and you pick this thing up, oh, there's a new notice, and then you forgot who you're going to phone? And I'm looking at who's controlling who. Now, this is, you, you think, you talk about what Brother Branham said, this is the most deceptive age ever. Now, all of these things are conditioning people where they become numb. They can't, you don't find people reading books anymore. Put a screen in front of me and show it to me. Let me be entertained. This is what we have to do when we come to church. We almost have to become, how can I make this as presentable as possible? when just the Word of God could strike a soul and cause us. So where are we living? Where are we submitting ourselves to is the question. I have to ask myself the same thing. Is it taking me away from the place where I become spiritually sensitive and now I'm becoming numbed? Because I believe God wants to teach us things too. As much as the devil is teaching a world things, what about us and what God wants to teach us? Now go with me to James chapter 4. That's, part, that's just a small part of a 90-minute documentary. I, I, I couldn't even show it to you all, but I, I wanted you to catch that little bit. James chapter 4. Now this is where 
we read before from this submit yourselves, but look, let's read the first part. From whence come wars and fightings from you? Come they not hence? Even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, but you cannot because you ask not. Now, remember, these desires, there's a desire of the flesh, there's a desire of the soul, and I'm not saying everything of the flesh is wrong. It's natural. You've got to listen to your body. You, I, I need more water. You know, I, 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 I need to eat something healthy. And every once in a while, I need a chocolate cake. Yeah, that's, that's important too. But, you know, you need to listen to those things. And I, I need to make myself aware of the news. But let not the news become my conditioning. I need to know what the government's guidelines are. Don't let that be your condition. Because if you just listen to only that, where does God have a place that he can speak to you? God needs you to be in touch with him. God needs you to submit to him, to yield to him. I need to be able, he wants me to make good decisions. They don't just come because somebody told me on a show. They come because I've been in the Word. I've been in prayer. I've been talking with Him. And when I talk with Him, I get influenced in a good way. Now, listen to what Jesus did. I'm winding my thoughts down. When He came and He met Jesus, this is in the message Super Sign. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jehovah the Word became human, became dust and tabernacled with us. That's why he could be Abraham's seed, not all flesh, but the uniting of spirit and flesh together, God making himself, tearing out, rooting out all evil, bringing into submission the flesh, the dust he created to live with you as a partner. Now, there's no way... I'm going to stand in this age if I don't have him in me. He says, maniac of Gadaria, this is such a good service. I am, brothers, when you see me and a vision, that's nothing else in the world but submitting myself to the Holy Spirit. Brother Branham didn't manufacture visions. He yielded to it and it came to him. Now, I'm not gifted that way, you're not gifted that way, but you're gifted in a way and you need to yield to that gift. That's where you get power, is when you can lay down your own will and give it to God. I submit myself to Him, the word of the hour. Now, he says, Brother Branham, I can't give up drinking and smoking and gambling. Yes, you can. Just submit, submit yourself to God one time. Now, you're not going to overcome the whole thing at once. Just yield your whole self to God and watch what takes place. There's no secret. It's not hocus pocus. The only thing is submit yourself to God. Then it's not you any longer. It's the Lord. And the Lord does it after that. Oh, aren't you happy that we have an opportunity like that? 
What we need today is a humble, submitted life. Submit yourself. Don't squeeze back. We need men and women who submit themselves to God and are led by the Holy Ghost. I think this is wonderful. Let's have the musicians come as I read this. Now another thing, a lamb is, a lamb is willing to submit its rights. God wants us to be lambs, but there's so many times we don't want to submit our rights. He asked this question, are you willing to give your rights that God could lead you? Oh, Brother Bannon would say, when I can yield myself, then God can do things William Branham doesn't even know about. Listen, uh, you think I'm, 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 I'm speaking this just to you, this is for me. He says, when you come into total obedience, then you can have possession, but until you fully obey, surrender your own thoughts, your own will, your own mind. Let the mind of Christ operate in you. Then the mind of Christ will sanction every word that Christ said. You don't use your own mind, you use His. We have, the thing we have to do is not depend on our own self, but just a complete, total surrender of our weaknesses before God and say, here I am. I have nothing. I have no ability that you can trust in. Isn't that a good place to come to? Let's stand together. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, this, this last verse I'll read, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. You play something softly. We're all human beings. We're not a perfect people. We can get sidetracked. The devil knows our weaknesses better than we know ourselves. He knows which button to push. He knows what to put before your eyes, your ears. He knows it for me. And he's doing everything he can in this last day to keep you from the place that God really wants for you. Have I been distracted? Ah, my hands are up. Have I allowed other things to get the best of me? My hands are up. It's good to confess your own sins. Has God really got a hold of us? Have we really submitted to Him? As I said, it's coming into that little room. It's not just coming into a service like this. In this atmosphere, God warms any heart. Even sinners come under conviction. 
but then they leave and it leaves them. Why don't you this morning, and I'm, I'm not going to linger long, you can stay, you can pray, you can do whatever, but why don't you this morning allow yourself to come into that room with Him? And then when you come in that room, then you're not leaving a church. That room is going with you. It's with you Monday morning. It's with you on Tuesday. It's with you, and, and you're in this place with Him, and it governs you. Uh, we, we, we're not, we don't trust our own flesh. I don't trust my own flesh. But I need the Lord. Do you need Him this morning? Let's pray. Keep your mind stay. just for a moment. It's maybe a different way to end the service. But now, I, I don't want you to look around the room. I don't want you to think who's around you. You've been brought to the place where it's you and Christ. And maybe you have submitted, but maybe the devil has nibbled away and taken away some of that precious time in the garden. And you want to just restore that before God. And you know that you can't do it yourself. But you want to ask God, help me, please. And you want to be remembered. You feel free to raise your hand. If you're at home, feel free to raise your hand. If you have never come into this place where you've been alone with Him, where you felt Him and you've surrendered, but you've always held back something, why don't you surrender today? If you have never fully given yourself and you said, Lord, I'm not giving myself to Brother Ed or a man or a church, but I'm giving myself to you, and you want to be remembered today, why don't you raise your hand? Maybe as a worst case, 
You've seen that the world is swallowing you up. That you're being driven by desires that are unregenerate. That you can't even stop and control. And you say, Lord, I need deliverance. I need help. Why don't you be honest with God? Lord, you see the secret places. Lord, I, I don't want to be found down the path that a world is going down. Yes, I've got to go on the internet. Yes, I've got to send emails. Yes, I've got to do certain things. But it's consumed me. And it's brought me into places that's taken me away from the things of God. Why don't you be honest with God? Give Him your heart today. You can... You know who it is. It's not before Brother Ed. My eyes are closed now. Why don't we be honest this morning? Heavenly Father, we stand here as a people that are called by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We identify with this banner. Lord, we identify not just with the title message but we identify with the Spirit of God that is in the message. And Lord, we're all spirit beings. We all have a free, free, we're free moral agents. We can make our own choice. And sometimes I've made choices that aren't right. And others have made choices. But Lord, we want to make right choices. And Lord, we need you. Lord, we... Our children need you. As parents, we want to teach our children the right thing. Before that you can get a hold of them before it gets a hold of them. Father, we're asking you to help us. We live in a wicked age, Lord. We need you, Father. Our children need you. Our teenagers need you. Young people need you. Families need you, Lord. This church needs you, Lord. Father, we're asking you to come in a greater way than ever before. Root out, O oh Lord. You know what that enemy's like. You know how he is. But Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, may you defeat him in every one of our lives. Start with me, Lord. Start with my home and my family. And Lord, start with every one of us. And Father, may we uphold one another. This is not a message of condemnation. Rather, this morning my heart is, help me, Lord. Help us, Lord. Father, if we've found ourselves, may we just take one step. If that's all it is, is one step. And then, Lord, may you come behind that one step and empower us for the next step. For we, and if we fall, Lord, pick us up again. Give us, minister to us again. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Lord, we're going to just dismiss the service shortly. We'll sing a song or two. If someone wants to pray or wants to do things, we'll leave it that way today. You need to leave. You're welcome to leave. 
Lord, we commit ourselves to you this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I surrender all. I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. And all. Let